Good morrow, friends. This is Jordan, and you're listening to Not Strictly History. Hello, everybody. It is so, so lovely to be here with you today. Hi. I feel like it's been 700 years since I podcasted, which it kind of has been. So first and foremost, I want to apologize for last week that I missed an episode. For those of you who don't follow me on Instagram, the reason that we missed an episode is because I was very, very ill with a cold. Um, I still have a pretty gnarly cough. I have a cough drop in right now. I have water on standby. Um, I'm hoping I can make it through this. If if I have a coughing fit, well, actually, you won't know about it because I'll edit it out. But anyway, speaking of editing, also, I'm very sorry that there was an editing issue in the beginning of the Jane Eyre episode. I'm really sorry about that. I was mortified. I work really hard on editing our episodes, and I felt really bad. It wasn't like, it didn't skip over that much, so like, I think it buffed out, but again, I'm really sorry. So I think that's all the housekeeping we have for today. Sorry that I missed last week because I was dying on my couch. Duncan thought it was great, though, actually. He was like, oh my gosh, you're home. He thought it was lovely. It wasn't. I was, I had a fever. Anyway, Sorry about that. Sorry about the little editing snafu in our last episode. So let's get into today. You may be surprised to hear or to have read in the title that today is the finale of season two of Not Strictly History. And um, I also want to apologize for it coming so suddenly. We are going to talk about that. Um, I repeatedly mentioned this, how this has happened to me a lot this season with many different episodes of all of it just turned out so much differently than I had planned. And you'd think I have, I'd have learned my lesson, but I actually had to relearn it this last week. I had, again, something entirely different planned for this episode. And um, it just didn't pan out because, you know, first of all, I've been, again, very, very sick, had a fever, you know, missed several days of work. I tried really hard to get back on track. And The plan, actually, was to have a couple of more episodes before the end of the season. But, my friends, it just isn't meant to be. I'm not entirely sure why, but it is time to wrap up season two. So today, we're going to be doing something actually rather special. We're just going to talk. I know, it's a little bit wild. Um, Let's start out by addressing another important thing about this episode, the subtitle. The subtitle of this episode is... May your days be merry and bright. Now, this is obviously a line from a Christmas song. So my plan for season two has always been to end the season with a holiday message because the season was always going to end around the holidays. So I guess that that's one original plan that actually happened. But I want to take this opportunity to talk to all of you guys about the holidays, about a few of my personal experiences And thus, we'll finish season two with a special message from yours truly. So, yes. Today, we are here to talk about a lot of things. Actually, we're here to talk about this podcast, um, my podcasting experience. But we're going to round things out with a holiday message. And I know that it is very, very different from anything we've ever done before. But I'm actually, like, really excited about this episode. And I'm really excited to just be able to talk with you guys, be a lot more open with you, maybe share some things about me that you didn't know. 
So if you would like to stick around, I think that we'll have an okay time. Alrighty, so there have been um, several times on this podcast where I have talked about just podcasting in general. And I've shared with you guys that I've actually wanted to start a podcast for years now. Like, I think it's been something wild, like five years. And I actually didn't come into 2023 thinking that this would be the year that I finally did it. I am beyond grateful that it was. I'm so, so grateful that I finally just did it. Starting a podcast has been rewarding in so many more ways than I can even say. And um, I knew that it would be rewarding in a lot of ways. And it has been rewarding in those ways and in many more. You know, season one of Not Strictly History was just so chaotic. and, And it was really just unadulterated joy. And I know because, like, listen, I know what you're thinking. You're looking back on it and you see episodes about Hadrian's Wall and Mary Shelley and you're like, okay, yeah, Jordan, you got really crazy. So you're thinking that I'm nuts by saying that. But it's actually the truth because after wanting to do something for such a long time, the initial period of starting it up and kind of stumbling around in the dark trying to figure things out, um, it kind of... It's it's it can be really stressful, but it was honestly just so much fun. Like I just felt like I was just playing around and had no idea what I was doing and just you know released these episodes every week and it was it really truly was just so much fun. Season 2 has been a journey in many more ways than I ever expected. So it was really interesting that season 1 was just this playful joy ride through learning, right? And then season two was so different. And when you have a podcast like this, I think it would, honestly, I think it would just be kind of stupid to approach it thinking that you're not going to learn anything because we're here to learn, right? So I knew that with a new season, there would come many more things to learn, new changes just to the process and to the podcast as a whole. And I was I was really excited about that. And man, oh man, my dudes, there has been so much about season two that has been different and wonderful. And it's really interesting because I'm not sure that you guys really feel like the podcast is much different. Um, I haven't really heard from many of you. I, you know, you definitely have commented on how you're enjoying longer, more in-depth episodes, but that's really all I've heard. So I'm like, I'm intrigued to um, feel free to reach out because that would be really interesting to see if season two has been different for you in the ways that it's been different for me. Now, probably not because I make the podcast and you listen to it, but I feel like it's changed in all of these ways and it would be interesting to know if you guys agree. That was a long-winded way of saying reach out. (laughs) Anyway, on my end... It really just feels like I've gotten into a groove and things are leveling out and becoming a bit steadier. I mean, take that with a grain of salt because I, you know, missed an episode last week. Really sorry about that. But I honestly feel a lot more comfortable with the microphone in my hand. I don't feel so silly just recording episodes. When I sit down to record an episode, I really do feel like all of you are just here in the room with me and we're having a chat. 
And it's actually one of my favorite things about podcasting. It has never felt like a lonely experience, even though I'm the only one here. Sometimes, truth be told, okay, very true, vulnerable moment. Podcasting can actually be very disheartening because it is actually a lot of really, really hard work. And it can be super difficult to not see a lot of fruits in your labor. But even though I've definitely experienced that, I have truly never felt alone during this process. I've always known that at least somebody out there was always listening to me. Shout out to my sister, Jessie, who has listened to every episode. I love you, Jess. Thank you so much. But even more than that, I truly just feel really connected to all of you. And I have since day one, honestly. That is something that I expected to feel later in the podcast. I did not expect to feel that right away. But honestly, I, from the moment I very first pressed record on the Al Capone episode, I have felt connected to you guys. And um, I did not expect that. It's something that I wanted to feel right away for sure, but I felt like that was reaching. But again, it has just always felt like I was just sitting down with friends to discuss things, um, to discuss things that I'm passionate about and that I'm curious about. And that's what I've always wanted this podcast to be. So I am just really, really grateful for that. You know, season two has been gratifying in so many ways. Where, where do I even begin? Well, for starters, everybody, okay, my listener base has grown drastically. Now, I say that, but don't, like, come for me here. Like, okay, listen, don't over overestimate me, okay? I'm not super popular. There's really not very many people listening to this podcast, okay? However, for my standards and where I'm at, my listener base has grown so much this season. It definitely feels far too soon to say this, but I feel like something something might be happening here on Not Strictly History. As of today, um, what is today? November 7th, 2023, we have listeners in 26 countries. 26! Now, full disclosure, I have no clue how many of you are actually regularly listening, but... Those statistics mean that at least at one point, people from 26 different countries have listened to the podcast. And that just honestly blows my brain apart. It really does. I hope so, so much that all of you love the content that I put out and that you feel engaged and enlightened when you leave my podcast. Even if we've talked about something really heavy or depressing, Because history is heavy and depressing a lot of the time, and I have no wish to shy away from that kind of thing. But no matter what subject we cover, I want you to leave feeling like you've learned something, and that because of that, your mind has expanded in a positive way. So I hope that makes sense. Season two has been a really magnificent time because I've had the chance to, excuse me, really dive into some topics that I've always been either wildly curious about or wildly passionate about. And because season one established that there were people out there listening, I think I had a lot more confidence going into season two. 
for that reason, I felt a lot more comfortable talking about a variety of different topics because I wasn't so worried that I would be the only one who cared about what I was talking about that week. Um, The biggest example of that this season would definitely be episode eight, the Old English slash Beowulf episode. I got a lot of positive feedback from that episode. And by that, I mean one person told me that that episode was really great. But even that was beyond thrilling for me because that is my field of history. That is something that I am clearly so, so passionate about. And it meant the world to me to be able to share it with all of you and to know that at least one of you out there really enjoyed it. That meant a lot. So this season, I haven't been shy about really, really researching things and giving you deeper, meatier episodes. And not only has that just been really fun and fulfilling for me, but many of you have seemed to really enjoy the longer and more in-depth episodes. Um, I've had a lot of positive feedback about that, and it just makes me so happy. The, the biggest example of that this season is definitely the um, episode about the Great Famine in Ireland. That episode was three hours long. I researched that episode for over a month. I talked to many, many different people. I was involved with many, many different sources. It was, honestly, it was a bigger project than many of my school projects have been. And um, it was definitely a labor of love, honestly. I hadn't planned on doing that episode. It just kind of came to me, and I am so grateful that I did. It was such an amazing, positive experience for me, even though it's a very trying and sad story. I am so glad that I got to do that episode. And, you know, handing you guys a three-hour episode as, like, as important as it was to me, as hard as I had worked on it, as um, important as the story is, I was worried because it's a three-hour episode. But I have heard only good things, and um, it's gotten many, many listens. So that just means the world to me. So overall, I really cannot complain about my podcasting experience thus far. I have learned so much, particularly from this season, some of which, of course, I've already mentioned. But the thing is, it definitely hasn't been all great, There have been some ups and downs behind this microphone, my friends. It's true. You know, the reason that I have always wanted to start a podcast was so that I could talk about and share things I love. Really, it's that simple. So from day one, this whole thing, the whole reason we're here has been a labor of love for me. And much more so than I thought at first, it is really, really easy to lose sight of that. For example, I can spend two full weeks in deep, deep research, right? And work really, really hard on an episode. And then it gets like one listen that I happen to know was actually me. And that can be really debilitating, especially in our day and age. And um, especially with how popular podcasts have been and continue to be, we really can't avoid the numbers of it all. That's not really a thing. And when you work 
super, super hard on something and then the numbers that don't come out of it don't seem to match up to that work, it can be really disheartening. Even amid all the positivity that I've experienced on the podcast and especially during this season, I've had a lot of moments like this. It's really, really easy to feel like your efforts don't matter, especially when you're looking at numbers. It can sometimes feel impossible, really, to find the success or reach or whatever it is, really, that you're hoping for or dreaming of. But here's another thing, my friends. Most of the time, and by that I mean like all the time, the numbers also don't show most of what's actually going on. Now, I always mention that I'm excited to be here because I always am. But the truth is that the majority of you have absolutely no idea who I am. I am just a strange woman from somewhere in the world who speaks to you once a week about history. And sometimes you hear my dog in the background. And every once in a while, I get really passionate and yell into the mic. Now, I love it that I have felt so close to all of you from day one because I think that more so really more so than we can ever really know, creativity and learning are all about connection. And I hope that as time goes on, we all get to know each other a little bit more. But still, for the most part, I'm presenting a sort of front to all of you. I mean, good grief. Have you heard of social media? We're all doing that. In fact, I actually had a very good friend request not too long ago that I tell my life story on the podcast. LOL. We'd be here for a really long time and it would not be a good time. So my response was, yeah, I'm not doing that. But anyway, so this was another thing that I had to remind myself of when I felt disheartened about my podcast, that for all the potential for genuine connection that we have these days, I think we can get really lost in all of the incomplete connection that tends to happen. And that is exactly why I don't want to shy away from heavy topics in history or the harder conversations, because as a historian, I believe that history is at its most powerful when we can really make the most genuine connection with it, that's possible. Anyway, I hope that you don't feel like I've been rambling about because of, you know, all of this I've talked about. It's really important to me, and I'm I'm really glad that I got to share it with you today. I actually had to get out of bed at like 1 a.m. to write a good portion of this episode because my head just would not stop swirling with thoughts and everything I wanted to say. So all of this to say that I have learned so much this season and it has been hard but also very very rewarding and it has re-emphasized to me how important it is to really really trust yourself and your instincts when it comes to creativity. I had so many plans for season two and pretty much none of them came about and I am actually more than okay with that. The episodes that we have are wonderful. I've had a great time making them, and I'm very, very proud of them. Again, the episode about the Great Famine in Ireland. It was not planned, and yet researching, writing, and presenting that episode was one of the most fulfilling experiences that I have had in a really long time. So I would not change a thing about how things have worked out. I am really, really grateful for all of you. So grateful for any and all of the listens that have happened. I am not entirely sure why the universe is just pointing me in the direction of ending this season earlier than I had planned, but I am going to look back on this season as a whole and understand that following my gut has been what has brought about the success I've had so far, so I'm going to trust it. And do you know something? 
that actually makes me so much more excited for season three because trust me my friends that will be coming your way so do not forget about me okay please reach out with requests okay this is the ideal time to do it i have literally nothing planned for season three no clue you could shape the entire season if you wanted to okay send me a dm on instagram at not strictly history underscore podcast send me an email at notstrictlyhistory at gmail.com like just let me know let's talk let's get ready for the amazing things that are coming because there are amazing things coming i don't know what they are but i promise that they're going to be great Alrighty, everybody. So it is time to segue into the holiday portion of this episode. Now, originally, the final episode of season two was going to be around Christmas time, and it was going to be a Christmas episode slash farewell. Then my plans changed, and it was going to be a Thanksgiving episode slash farewell. Well, now we're here in the beginning of November, but we are still going to do a holiday farewell because we're basically in the holidays anyway. And also I just refuse to budge on this issue. So where to begin? Well, I know exactly where to begin, actually. I am going to begin with what the holidays mean to me. And my buddies, my pals, I could make a PowerPoint presentation about this. I have a lot of things to say. And I'm going to try to say it succinctly, but also in a way that conveys how powerful the holidays are for me in my life. So come with me on this. All right. So something that you may or may not know about me. I don't know if I've said this before. No, no, I have in the potato episode. Okay. I grew up on a farm. I did. I grew up on a very, very large farm, several thousand acres. Okay. And um, I have a very large family. There are 10 children in my family. I have nine siblings. There are five boys and five girls in my family. And growing up on this very large farm, there was always work to do. We were always working year round. People have this um, this thought in their brain that farmers don't have any work in the winter time. Well, that's not really a thing now with technology there's maybe there's less work in the winter, but there's always work on a farm. Okay. And as such, the holidays were really our only time off. And um, because it was a family business, it was really our only time off to just be together as a family, not together as a family doing work, if that makes any sense. So that alone accounts for a lot of why the holidays are special for me and, and my family. But No discussion about the holidays would be complete or even make any sense, honestly, without talking about my mom. My mom is one of the most incredible women on this planet. Her name is Robin, R-O-B-Y-N. That's important. And she is a Christmas angel. She's going to cry if she ever hears this. She's probably already crying. Um, she, My mom loves Christmas. My mom has always loved Christmas. And um, she has taught, she always taught us from a very young age 
what Christmas really means and what the holidays really mean. And I'm not just talking about, um, you know, Christmas or the holidays from a traditional Christian perspective. You know, it's the birth of Jesus Christ and, you know, we're celebrating that. It's also um, many, many more things. And I think, I mean, I don't, I don't think I know this gets so confused in everyday life. This gets so skewed. And it's the reason that the holidays are looked on by many, many people in a negative light. Now, I'm going to try not to rant about this because we're talking about Christmas time and the holidays, but it genuinely, I've gotten to a point in my life where it just makes me furious. I am so tired of people being upset when I put my Christmas decorations up. I'm so tired of people having rules about when you can start celebrating Christmas. I'm so tired of people saying that the holidays are stressful and that they're glad when they're over. Um, I am so tired of, again, being ridiculed for wanting to keep my Christmas decorations up. And um, I'm trying really hard not to be hostile, but I'm going to explain all this further so that it kind of makes more sense. In my, I have always been taught, and in my world, the holidays are about so many different things. Now, especially here in the United States, we have Thanksgiving in November and Christmas in December. So the holidays all really run together. And um, in my head, Christmas and Thanksgiving are really the same thing. And I'm going to explain this, okay? Thanksgiving is the holiday where we express thanks. We express gratitude for all of the things that we have. And Christmas time is when we celebrate peace and goodwill and joy and love. Essentially, that's what Christmas is. And so if you think about it and in, in what these holidays actually are, they're the same thing in a lot of ways. So that's why it kind of irks me when people get upset about me putting my Christmas decorations up, quote unquote, early. And also, I mean, I've heard this a million times and it just makes me want to get violent when people say things like, I don't think that we should celebrate this the holiday where we get things before we celebrate the holiday where we give thanks for things. First of all, and I mean this in the best possible way, you're an idiot. Thank you. Second of all, you don't understand the holidays. I'm going to tell you why. If you are thinking about Christmas as solely the season where you get things, that is, then you're the problem. I'm sorry to say this. That mentality is what has created this negative undercurrent when it comes to the Christmas season. And it not only, I think I've come to a point in my life where it makes me angry because it has made me so desperately sad for so many years. Christmas is so, so special to me and it is so beautiful and so magical and it means so many wonderful things. And I, if you think about it this way, Thanksgiving just goes right along with it. And um, so I just, it's just so frustrating 
And it's also frustrating when, you know, I have my Christmas decorations up into January because sue me, okay? I'm going to keep my Christmas decorations up until probably Valentine's Day. And guess what? There's nothing wrong with that because I'm celebrating peace and goodwill and love and selflessness. Why do I get ridiculed for having my Christmas lights up in January? Literally, why? Have you? If you are one of those people, I'm not trying to attack you, although you have attacked me several times. I'm just like, stop and think about it. Stop and really, really think about it. And even if I can't impress upon you, like, the emotional and and all of that, like, all of the real reasons for it, let's just say it how it is. Like, it's not hurting you. It's literally not hurting you. It's not doing anything to your life. So please stop ridiculing people for celebrating something that makes them happy. And not only does it make them happy, it is a very wholesome, beautiful, wonderful holiday that promotes nothing but goodness. Thank you. And I'm not done with my TED Talk, so stay stay here. I There is so much about Christmas that I love. And um, another thing that people say often is, I, you know, I hate Christmas. I never know what to buy. And I think that the, you know, the commercialism of Christmas has really made that, um, in a lot of ways, it's made it a really positive thing. In a lot of ways, it has really ruined it because I think we just think, okay, like I have to buy gifts. So what do I buy? And if you just tweak, tweak it a little, okay? Giving gifts to people is actually one of the most beautiful, and I'm going to say it, sacred things that we get to do as human beings. I promise you that if you go into this holiday season with a more spiritual, introspective kind of vibe, you will feel how much beauty there is in giving somebody a gift. It doesn't have to be stressful. It can be really beautiful. To think of this person that you're buying a gift for, think about what makes them so wonderful, think about what their life is, what their dreams are, and you get the opportunity to give them a gift that will enhance their life, that will enrich their experience on this planet, that can help them achieve their dreams, that can make them smile. Like There are so many beautiful opportunities in giving a gift. And at Christmas time, you get that opportunity a million times over because you're getting gifts for a lot of people. And if you think about gift giving in this way, it makes any kind of gift giving situation really awesome. But it makes Christmas in particular that much more special. I'm going to keep talking as we go through about more of what the holidays mean to me, more of the things that I've learned. But it's really important that I share that my mom is the person that has taught me all of this. There is so much about the holidays that it's that are that's really misunderstood today. And um, I just really hope that we can kind of, I don't know, I hope that we can talk about that. But I hope that as I continue to talk about some of my experiences and some of my family traditions even, 
that as we go on, you'll understand a little bit more of what I'm trying to say. Okay, so I really want to talk about some traditions that my family has at Christmas time, and I want to share some funny stories as well. So on Christmas Eve, my family does a get-together on Christmas Eve, and we always do um, meat and cheese trays for food. We do a buffet-style thing. We Everybody just makes little sandwiches on rolls. We do the nativity <clears throat> that um when they, on, when I was growing up I was in the nativity now all of my nieces and nephews do it and recently we've um well we've always read this book at christmas time but we've we read it on christmas eve it's called the crippled lamb by max lucado and it is a beautiful story it's always been one of my favorite christmas stories it's um it's <clears throat> What am I trying to say? What is the word I'm looking for? It's it's brought it has gained some special meaning for my family in the last several years, but it's a beautiful story and I will link it in the show notes because you need to read it if you haven't already. It needs to become one of your Christmas staples. So, when I was growing up, for a while my siblings and I would all sleep in my parents' bedroom on Christmas Eve, and that is because there are like 5,000 of us, but it's also because in the house that we lived in, my parents' bedroom was on one side of the house and all of the kids' rooms were on the other side of the house. And our side of the house was by the living room where all of the presents would be. And so my parents could never keep us from sneaking out and, you know, getting into presents at like 3 a.m., right? So they started having us sleep in their room on Christmas Eve. Um, luckily, they had an ensuite at the time that was fairly a fairly good size. So there were just five million children spread everywhere. I remember sleeping on the floor in front of their fireplace one year. I also remember sleeping in the bathtub. I think I did that for two years. Um, one of those years, my siblings forgot about me, actually. They forgot to wake me up. I wasn't asleep because that's ridiculous. But I was laying there thinking like, oh my gosh, it's got to be time to go see. It's got to be time to go see what Santa brought. And then they came in and they were like, Jordan, we've been out there for 20 minutes. And I was like, you freaking left me in the bathtub. Anyway. Um, yes. Yeah, so I remember sleeping in the bathtub and there was never any sneaking out during this time. Now, my mom has this superpower and your mom probably has this superpower too. It's not just a Christmas Eve superpower, but if my mother is asleep and you go into her room. Two things will happen if you need to wake her up. You will walk in and you'll say, Mom. And she will go, What? As if she's just been laying there waiting for you to come in and talk to her. Or you go in and you say, Mom. And she goes, <gasps> Who died? Like she's either terrified or she's sitting there waiting for you and there's no in between. But on Christmas Eve, it was always the, like, you, like, we would try so hard to sneak out, like, move silently, stealthily through the shadows, and we'd almost get to the bedroom door, and her voice would come through the dark and just go back to bed. I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she did it, but she did. And I had, I have many fond memories of sleeping in my parents' room on Christmas Eve. My older brother, Josh, actually slept in my parents' closet because my dad 
is a very, very, very loud snorer. Very, very loud. And Josh just couldn't deal. So he would sleep in the closet because it was the sound was muffled, which is hysterical. And, um, you know, there are actually a lot of really funny Christmas stories with my brother, Josh. He is, is incredible. He absolutely loved Christmas. He, um, there, there was this one Christmas, this one story, okay? We were not sleeping in my parents' bedroom this year. And they set up a video camera. They hid a video camera and set it up in the living room to just, you know, record and spy on all of us. And all throughout the night, it just records all of us sneaking out, um, attempting to sneak out. And, you know, Josh comes out at one point in his underwear and he like can't deal. You know, he was excited for Christmas all like like he's the kind of person who as a dad he can't sleep on Christmas Eve cuz he's so excited for Santa Claus. Like it's incredible. And I remember one year he had he and my other brother Jake had moved out and he and for some reason they didn't spend the night with us on Christmas Eve, but on Christmas morning he knocked on my sister's bedroom window at very early. And he was like, guys, hurry, like, it's Christmas. Santa Claus came, let me in, because all the doors were locked. So he climbed in through their window so that we could have Christmas. And he actually made it a point to watch um, Chevy Chase's Christmas Vacation at least once a month, just for maintenance purposes, um, which I just love. Like so many, so many good Josh stories when it comes up for when it comes to Christmas. So some more traditions. All right. So we always wake up before the sun rises um, because it's like just a little bit more magical to go out into the living room and see what Santa Claus brought when, you know, there's the lights are dim, like when there's no light except for the Christmas lights. And um, the Christmas ham is in the oven. So the house smells like ham and you're really cold but you're also like shivery with excitement and you like can't deal. And we would all go out together to see what Santa Claus brought. And we would each have a designated area in the living room. Um, And when I was really little and when all of us were still living at home, I remember that Christmas morning looked like a magazine. I remember walking out into the living room and seeing everybody's little place and seeing the toys that Santa Claus had set out. It looked like a magazine. It was so, so beautiful. Everything that everybody would get and how it would be set up. And it was just so beautiful. And we would spend at least an hour an hour just reveling in that magic, playing with our toys from Santa, sharing with everybody what we got, just, you know, being generally stoked. That, that took a while. Then we would go on to the presents from mom and dad. And we would, we had to sort through them. There's this thing that happens, everybody, when you have a really big family, where even if nobody gets that many presents, there's like 50 billion of you. So you have to sort through presents. And so you sort through, give everybody their presents. And then in our family, we would go in order, one at a time, opening our presents. And every single year, we had a really big fight about whether we would go oldest to youngest or youngest to oldest. And I have no idea in hindsight why we did this um, because we could have just gone in a circle. 
yeah, we could have just done that. But anyway, all of the older kids say that we always went youngest to oldest. That's not true. Don't believe anything that they say. But yes, we would go one at a time. And this means a lot of things, okay? Mostly it means that opening presents takes 500 years because there's a lot of us, right? But I absolutely love this tradition. It's one of my favorite things that we do at Christmas time. I love the fact that we have always opened our presents one at a time for many, many reasons. It makes this magic last. And it's it's a part of the magic because you get to see everything that everybody else got. You get to be happy for them. And when you look at gift giving, like I was talking about earlier, when it's this almost sacred experience, and then you get to share that with everybody on the day, it's just this cycle of positivity and beauty that that just keeps going all day long. And um, it's so wonderful. And all throughout opening gifts, everybody would be eating the Christmas ham and rolls. And later in the day, my parents would make chicken cheesy chowder. Now, I talked about this soup in my Agatha Christie episode. It is just potato soup masquerading as a chowder. And it is filthy. It is disgusting. I have never liked it. I'm always starving on Christmas Day. It's fine. I live. All my siblings think it's delicious. It's not, okay? I will die on this hill. Our traditional chicken cheesy chowder on Christmas Day is sick, okay? I said it. I said what I said. So when I was younger, my grandparents would come over in the afternoon after we had finished all of our gifts. And my grandma is an amazing seamstress. She is so talented. And she would always sew us something special for Christmas. And I I remember especially one year, she made me and my sisters a whole bunch of dress-up clothes. And it was the best Christmas ever. And now she's getting a little bit older, so she doesn't sew a lot. But every once in a while, she will sew us a nightgown, either for ourselves or, you know, for a future child or my siblings that have children. She'll sew things for them. And it's always really, really special to get something that grandma has sewed because, again, she doesn't do she doesn't do it much um, these days. But it's she is so talented and everything that she makes is gorgeous. And she always washes it and irons it and it always smells like her house. And it is just such a beautiful memory. The things that my grandma makes at Christmas time. That might make me cry, actually. Very, very, very good memory. Um, as I got older, my siblings and their kids would also come over in the afternoon. And that was always so much fun. Now, listen, I have been an auntie since I was 11 years old. Okay, so for most of my life, I have been an auntie. I love being an aunt. I love having nieces and nephews. Aunt is one of my favorite titles. It might be my favorite title. I love it. But there is nothing, the only thing better than being an aunt is being an aunt at Christmas time, okay? It's so awesome to watch all my nieces and nephews come running into the house on Christmas Day and, you know, being so excited about what they got. A few years ago, my nephew, Mac, ran into the house on Christmas and he said, we got like a houndwood of gifts. And I think about that probably once a day, honestly. We got like a houndwood of gifts. And I wanted to say, I know because I helped your mom wrap them. I didn't. I was just happy for him. But 
it was so cute. And one year, one of my nieces, I think she was two or three at the time, she fell asleep in the wrapping paper and we couldn't find her for a minute. And it was really, really sweet. It's just so much fun. It's so much fun. And my they'll run in and shout Merry Christmas and tell us what Santa Claus brought them. And we get to open more gifts together and just spend time together on a magical, magical day. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a wonderful blessing. It's what Christmas is about, what Christmas should be about. And I don't, I truly don't know how to express everything that the holidays really mean to me, how beautiful it all is. And, um, you know, it's just, it should be this whole season that feels like that. And I think that it can be. And um, for much of my life, it actually has been. And I'm really grateful for that. Okay, so like I just said a few minutes ago, the only thing better than being an aunt is being an aunt at Christmas time. I love being an auntie at Christmas time. I love baking sugar cookies with my nieces and nephews. I love making gingerbread with my nieces and nephews. A few years ago, I went to my sister Jessie's house to make gingerbread houses with her little boys. And um, at the time, I think that they were two, four, and six. And I made the really huge mistake of not baking the gingerbread beforehand. And so we had to make it there. And um, Jessie and her husband went downstairs to watch a movie. And it was me and the boys in the kitchen, you know, doing our Christmas stuff. And we had to, you know, roll out the dough and cut the pieces for the house. And eventually the boys just abandoned me. And her oldest, Will, William, he was really upset. And he went downstairs to talk to his mother. And he said, Jordan just keeps rolling and cutting and rolling and cutting. And he was so mad. He was very upset. And then our house didn't end up working very well anyway. So I actually went back a few days later. We tried again. I went with pre-baked gingerbread. We built another house. It worked great. So I learned I learned my lesson. I have many beautiful stories like that. Not too, not too long ago, I was making sugar cookies with my other brother's children. He has six little boys. And um, the only one who really stuck it out to the end, I think he was three or four at the time. And he was just up to his elbows in frosting. It was incredible. And we have this picture of him holding up a cookie and smiling. And to be completely honest, I have never seen a picture more manic than that picture. But it's incredible. So I have many more stories like that. And um, it's beautiful. I love it that I get to have experiences like that with my nieces and nephews and share with them not only this season, but what I know to be true about the season and the things that I've learned. That's really important to me, too. You know, when I was little, our Christmases were always so magical that I would actually, you know, I would look into the future and be genuinely worried for Christmases to come because I would wonder how are things going to change and how could it ever be this magical forever? How could it ever stay this good? You know, it like it, it can't, it can't be. And truth be told, not every Christmas is magical. Honestly, I and my family have had some really rough, bad Christmases, to be honest. 
but that has never dampened my love for the season and all that it means to me because it's so much more than just the day didn't turn out. You know what I'm trying to say? So this year, I encourage all of you to think about the holidays a little bit differently than you ever have before. Please take my advice. Adopt some of the Christmas feelings and attitudes that I was lucky enough to be raised with. I promise that Christmas will change for you, especially if you're one of those people who dreads the holiday season and you're glad when it's over. I promise you that it does not have to be that way. Christmas time, the holidays, truly can be such a magical, joyous time of year. It truly is the most wonderful time of year, and it can be that experience the whole time. It really can, and that's what I love so much about it. So I'm going to leave you with that. I love you all, and I love Christmas, and I hope that you all have the most incredible holiday season. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for a truly incredible season here on Not Strictly History. With that, I wish all of you a very magical season in general and the very, very, very merriest of Christmases. And we will see you next season on Not Strictly History. Mm -hmm.